good morning, Ocean City Church. It's uh, so great to be with all you guys this morning uh, virtually. I am not Jonathan Tony, by the way. So I know Jonathan Tony a couple weeks ago said I'm Dan McFerrin. Yeah. I'm Dan McFerrin, the real Dan McFerrin. So not not uh, in as Jonathan Tony this morning. So, but Jonathan, thank you for sitting in for my spot there a couple weeks ago. So, um, but welcome. So it's the week after Easter Sunday, and yeah. we're still doing the online thing. But it's good to be with everybody, and good to be with back with you this week. So yeah, it was. I think it was a powerful representation of the church uh, last Sunday, just to experience Easter in a different way. I think you know, even as I talked, being nervous going into that. Yeah. Not so much nervous, almost sad. But I think. Um, I was so excited Sunday, uh, even going back and watching some of the stream and, and looking at some of the comments and um, just that the, the church is alive and it's moving forward and God's doing something. Like, I really do believe there is this, this rumbling underneath um, of, of something that's happening in this season yeah. that will ignite something unique in the church uh, in this season for sure. Yeah, and it's hard, you know, to have the perspective when we're in the middle of it. And so, you know, I think about how you know, years from now, what are the stories that we're going to tell about this season of our life and what God was doing and where God was leading us? And, it, you know, some some days it feels very hard and difficult, and other days it's like you see glimpses of what God might be up to. But it's, um, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for the church. And we think about just even Easter Sunday. I mean, that was uh, certainly for, for me, I think for everybody, I mean, very different than Easter Sundays of the past. Think about it being such a big day for the church and a, such a big reason to celebrate. And it was really cool how we were able to celebrate that virtually, even though we weren't yeah. all together in one place. And so, but it really is the ultimate message of hope. And, and so coming on the heels of that back into Acts um, this week, we, we can't think of a better message of hope to talk about than what Jesus did in coming out of the grave on Easter Sunday. So yeah, no, it was that. awesome. It was funny coming home on Easter Sunday, like not having my kids here. Uh, you know, maybe I should have. I don't know. It's like neither, neither none of us had our, our, any, any of our kids here. And coming home, like Easter, you're usually with your crew. Like you got everybody dressed up and, you know, you're going to go home or go out on the beach. And we're going to take a, you know, picture and do all that. I get home and all the kids are like, you know, horizontal on the couches, on their phones. And I have to ask them if they watch. Did you watch the stream? You know, did you, did you get your... Easter Jesus in because it's important. Yeah, um, you see, when both parents are here, like <laughs> our families are today, I, we hope our kids are at home watching live streams. So uh, one of my kids someone out there check in with our kids, make sure they're watching live stream. <laughs> yeah, one of my kids busted one of my other kids and took a picture of them sleeping, like with the, the live stream in the background. That yeah. made me feel really good inside. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, it, it is surreal. Like it, I know we keep saying this. Like, what is the? Uh, it's unprecedented times we're in, Dan. Yes. You know and. It just, it is, it is surreal. Like if you didn't watch the news and you were isolated, there's, it would be weird because things aren't open. But other than that, it's, there's, you know, and this isn't to be insensitive. There's just like, it's, yeah. there's little impact. Like yeah. you walk around, I mean, the beaches, <laughs> the beaches are open, Dan. <laughs> Yay, Florida. Yes. Um, we, we knew the exact time on Friday afternoon. Yes. As we, you know, are the picture of Jacksonville has now been trade on national media. Yes. The word was thousands of people flocked to Jacksonville yes. Beach. So. Yes. Not only Ocean City. Hey, as a church, we exist to invite anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace. And the state of Florida also <laughs> invites you here in Jacksonville to exist in the unending ocean of grace. But only between the hours of... <laughs> 
is it six and Salvation eleven and five and eight? So that's right. That's a, that's your only shot at it. Yeah, man, I, it's it is it is a grind. I do feel like there's a little bit of tension underneath where people are are itching to go. Okay, you know, when are, when are things going to get back to normal? Um, I definitely see that in my. Uh, I mean, I've watched. I think, and you know, this is just my honest, transparent. I've watched so much television, um, and I watched it with you. You know, your kids are around, and you're like, "What are you going to watch on TV?" I mean, is there anything you've watched like your your best TV suggestion? So, suggestions? Our, our most recent. I mean, I've watched some pretty bad stuff, like just in terms of I fell into the Tiger King trap, <laughs> and so that I got about three episodes into that, and that I. I Kind of pulled the ripcord on that a little bit, That's so it, yeah. I hadn't been able to finish that. But our family, so we went back, and we, we, Ann and I are always thinking about, well, what are the movies that were impactful to us that we would want our kids to see? Because anytime they see a screen and it doesn't look like the modern-day graphics, they bail from it because they think it's not a good picture. They're but missing out on so much good so stuff. So much good stuff. Oh, we're, so how old are we? <laughs> we, are, we old. Um, but what we did this past week was we did Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. And nice. so we finished up Back to the Future 3 Marathons last night. are popular yes, right now. Yes, it was yeah. great. So our kids really enjoyed that. In fact, our youngest said, this is, uh, Back to the Future was my favorite movie of all time. So wow. That's there you awesome. Go. It's a good marathon. You'll enjoy it, kids. Good wholesome pictures, you yeah. know. Yeah. So We've, We're still into Survivor. That's been a big one. And I'm really holy, so we've been watching The Chosen. Um, actually, we only watched one episode, and this is in all honesty. This is how much, I think, in the heart, and this is more of an emotional moment. I, like, in the ver first episode, if you haven't seen The Chosen, it's about Jesus from the, it's, it's a, a kind of a written story. It's actually well done from a production yeah. standpoint. Um, you can download the first four episodes or stream the first four episodes. And we watched the first thing, and I'm like, Jesus, there was no Jesus in it in the very beginning. It's just all the side story. And by, at the very end, it was like 50 minutes long, at the very like, last three minutes of the first episode, Jesus appears, and I burst into tears. Like, all of a sudden, Jesus! I was like, I've been, you know, almost like I've been missing him, which is, you know, Jesus is here. He's, there he he's is! Pressed. There he is! That's so mean. That's so mean, Jesus. Um, but outside of, you know, I am excited about, uh, I have been thinking a lot about and talking with the staff a lot about what's coming up and, and some of the things that are um, like the changes that will remain, the good changes that will remain uh, from this season. And uh, they really, I think there's going to be some amazing things in this next year and in the next five years in the life of the church. And I think some people are nervous about what's going to happen. Um, we live in one of the greatest countries in the world, and I think things will get back to normal, um, but there will be some changes. I think there'll be some changes that will make people a little bit nervous, but, but as far as the church, I mean, we can be, have such faith that... Uh, in the words of Jesus, hey, nothing's yeah. going to overcome yeah. the church. There is nothing like it is. It has lasted generation, generation through millennia, and we're here today, sitting here talking yeah. um, in a church context right now. So I'm, well, I'm excited. It's, it's about one that. of the question, questions that we get a lot from you guys out there that are are with us um, in Ocean City Church. So I know people are curious, like, what is the strategy moving forward, and and what what will things look like as we go down the road, and are we going to stay in this format? Are we going to be moving back to gathering together, so we know that there's some there's some tensions around that right oh, now. Sure. But just in terms of strategy, what are we thinking down the road? Yeah, I, you know, it's one of the things that uh, we we worked through a little bit uh, with our staff this week, and we're gonna nail some things down this this coming week. But we're gonna be obviously following uh, the the guidelines as things open up. Um, we're gonna use wisdom and listen to the people that are you know that know a lot more than we do. But as we are the they they loosen things up and. Uh, things get better uh, locally and globally. 
uh, we'll kind of have a stepped process. It won't be like, one, you know, one day we'll be back and we'll be jamming this room and jamming our kids' rooms. Um, it'll probably be a process. So, you know, there'll be an opening up of, of certain things, and then we'll have kind of soft, soft meetings. And we'll talk more about that where we'll be able to gather um, with multiple city groups doing some smaller gatherings here during the week. We'll probably continue to do the live stream, but we'll probably invite some people in. Um, like our, uh, some of our lead anchors and city group leaders uh, initially to come in and be a part of the, the live stream to pray for the church and do some things like that um, as we move forward. Um, we're a pretty stripped down crew right now. I mean, we don't, there's not, you know, many people here on any Sunday and that'll, that'll slowly increase. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the plan. Look for, I'm looking forward to that. And I think we're, you know, we, God willing, um, we're around the corner from things changing yeah. um, and us getting back to, being together, you know, even worship, wouldn't worship, we worship yeah. this, I mean, I know that you'll be jealous, but there was like four of us in a room, or five of us in a room, um, and we, we go through a set list, and we worship before um, the live stream, and it is a game changer, like, yeah. it is, you realize that that is a God-ordained, when, when we read in Hebrews that we shouldn't stop meeting together, bringing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another yeah. in that context, you realize in that moment, something rises up in the midst of worshiping with people, uh, and we want that back. Yeah. We want to be in that place. It's one of the things we miss the most. Um, besides me not preaching to a camera anymore. <laughs> I, I like you people. I like seeing my people around and seeing. Now I, I look at Gerald and Seth. They're right there. They're my, they're my crew. Well, how are you guys doing down there? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, t you know, the worship has been great, being able to do that on Sundays before, um, before we do the live stream. But it's just, I think about how much I've missed Live worship oh. and Ger you know Gerald up here leading worship and Aaron leading worship in his worship burgundy and... beanie. By the way, <laughs> most people got that. I know we should have a. So I know they did trivia before did people get the live that stream. Did a lot of people get the burgundy beanie. Yeah, yeah, we should we should have our own version of trivia where you can guess. Oh, I'm what, writing some harder questions color. next week for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, but definitely, I mean, worship is one of the things I, I just can't wait till that time when we're able to get together and do live worship together again and. You know, we, we've got some set lists that we've put out there as part of the resources for um, for those of you to to look at as we're traveling through Acts, but um, it's definitely not the same as, you know, being right there on the front row yeah. when Gerald's on the stage or not Aaron's the on the stage. I do like so. the challenge of, of learning how to worship at home. That's one of the things I think that will resonate, like <laughs> yeah. not having to depend on a gathering, you know, um, for that, but to, to learn how to worship with your family. Um, Die. If you haven't done that already, do it. Break through yeah. the awkwardness of sitting in a room with not the best lighting and, you know, uh, just Well, just and if, if you're like us, I mean, we have teenagers in the house, so they think that online school actually begins at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and that, that, <laughs> you, that you don't have to get up until then. And so we have a thing where the wake-up call in the house is just a worship set where we'll turn it on very loudly and, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's kind of what our kids Make have been waking music. up to. Yeah, exactly. good <laughs> <laughs> we call it Chris, Chris Tomlin Reveille, Hillsong Reveille at our house. So, it's amazing. Yeah, so. so we got some things uh, for people to dig into and some yeah. things that we want to remind people about too. Um, Right, so we've heard we've heard some great things from you guys on some of the resources that we've put out there for Acts. So just just so you know, every week um, we're encouraging people to dive into what we're putting out there. Everything from Spotify song lists that coincide with the Acts study that we're doing to questions for reflection, either with your small group or with your family. Um, so there's just a lot of things out there that you can take advantage of. So we'll have additional resources that we'll be posting um, as the week goes on. I know. Um, 
Whitney has put some things out there for um, OCC kids. It should have, I've seen some of those videos. It's been amazing. So thank you to all of you that have helped us and participated to, um, to get some of those things out there. And, and things that Mary Beth is doing with students has been great. I know there's um, a weekly call. So really every ministry within the church has some kind of thing that, they, that they're doing during this time to, um, to, to stay connected um, with people. So I just want to just remind people and encourage you to participate in those. It's, a, it's still a great time to jump into a city group if you're not involved. Um, I, I know uh, you know, the whole Zoom call world, like people are becoming more comfortable with that. So our city group has met weekly um, through that format. And it's really been great. I mean, our discussion has been rich and, yeah. you know, it's um, it's allowed some people, I think, to step forward and participate that maybe not otherwise would in a live context for whatever reason. But um, but we've really felt connected to people through that. And so take advantage of that. Um, also, just a couple of things around um, care ministry and, and our fellowship Fun. So um, I, I know uh, this season of life certainly brings challenges to people, in, in and it has challenged people in different ways. For some people, it's it's just it, it could be anything from like depression, you know, boredom, isolation, to you know, true um, financial impact for for many of the folks in our church, and and just the need for for healing, be it physical or spiritual um, healing, and so. Um, I want to let people know about prayer ministry. So um, one of the areas that we've certainly missed in gathering, been missing and in, in, in not gathering together is, is the fact that we do prayer ministry um, with each other every single week. So um, if, if, if you're in need of prayer for anything, um, you can head to our website, oceancitychurch.org. Um, and, and there's a care um, tab on the top of uh, the, the page there, and you can request prayer. And you can That's even awesome. have... A, you know, set it up where a prayer minister will call you and pray with you over the phone. And this is, this is one of the cool things about our God is that he's not bound to a space like an auditorium when we do prayer together, that he can work through whatever format, whatever modality. Um, he can work even when we're not praying. That's what's amazing. But we want to continue to lean in and as part of our ministry um, of this church, pray with people that need prayer. And yeah. so, um, please, if you're if if you would like to have prayer, it's a great way to do that. Just go to the care tab. You can request for prayer, and um, we would love to pray for you and with you um, if that's what you'd like to do. So, awesome. certainly, life is hard. Quarantine has has been harder in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, and so, prayer is one of those things that we all need, really, um, regardless of of where we are in life. So. Um, and then, um, so the fellowship fund, we wanted to talk about that um, a little bit. So we know that there are folks in our church that have been um, impacted financially by what's happened in COVID-19 and, and, and the crisis that's been going on. And so we have a fund set up specifically for that. I, do you want to talk about that? Or? Yeah. It, it, you know, when, we, when you plan your budget throughout the year, one of the things that you don't put in a line item is a global pandemic budget. <laughs> um, but we, so we've had to make some adjustments in that. We were definitely underfunded when it came to our benevolence fund or our fellowship fund. Uh, so we've set something aside and we've had people give directly to that. People have been incredibly generous. Somebody took their entire um, a stimulus check yeah. and put it in the benevolence fund. Like all thirty nine hundred dollars or whatever they got, they just said this is going to the benevolence fund. Yeah. And if if that, if you want to, if that's your jam and you want to do the same thing and you feel like God's provided for you and you're you, you're gainfully employed and things are happening, you should jump in. I mean that would be amazing. I think it's a 
just an amazing, for me, it was so challenging because I'm like, I think I'm decently generous. And then there's so many people more generous than yeah. I am that are out there. Yeah. Um, but you can give directly to that. And I would just say people are asking all the time, uh, what can we do in this season? We feel like we're all kind of boxed in. The church isn't doing anything. You know, we've, you know, of course, we've got the stuff, lunches that we've been doing with the Mission House and Carver Center. Um, but right now, in all honesty, and this isn't church speak, what people need and what the impact that we're having, at least in our community, um, obviously in New York and other places, medical stuff is, is, is high on the list. But here, that's not as much of a need, and the impact is not as great yeah. in that area. But the jobs, the economic impact is massive. Uh, so what people need are the basic needs, food, diapers, and like cash, like money to pay bills, electric bills. I mean, those are the requests that we're getting in. Yeah. Um, so if you've, if you've got opportunity to give, um, to, to buy Publix gift cards or um, you know, to buy essentials, connect with us that way. We have a specific way you can, COVID-19 uh, Fellowship Fund is right on our website. If you go yep. through there, our normal give channels on our website, you'll find out how to give there. That is a huge deal. Yep. That is a big deal for us. It will allow us to put money in a budget we didn't have for this particular thing. Yeah, and we've uh, the requests certainly this week, requests have um, started to roll in a little bit more. So we right. anticipate that those will be coming in a, at a higher rate um, as, as the weeks go on and people feel more impact from this. So we want to be in a position to help um, as the church. And so Absolutely. if you'd want to give specifically to that, there's a place to do that. Um, on the website, it's called the Fellowship Fund. Um, so I know in some terminology, we've had Benevolence Fund, which is what we called it in our budget right. season and when we put it as a budget line item, but we're calling it the Fellowship Fund. Um, and so if you would love to give to that, we would, there, there are definitely, the, the needs are there and will be there um, moving forward where we can truly be in a position to help people. And we have financial oversight of that. Our finance committee um, directs those funds and, make sure that we check into each each person that requests and make sure that we're giving them some financial guidance and assistance to help yeah. them longer term because we know in some cases this you know we don't want to just put a, a band-aid on a, on a much larger problem or as the church we can come alongside people and pray for them and help get them the right kind of um, guidance and counseling when it comes to their finances so yeah we have that available as the well. finance committee has been great at coming up with strategies uh, for a holistic approach not just giving people money to put a Band-Aid on things, but helping people walk through yeah. life and, yeah. and get out of some situations that are difficult. So, And I will just say too, if, if you would like to apply for help, um, you can apply for assistance directly on the site um, on oceancitychurch.org. If you go to that care tab, again, um, click under there. We've made the, the, um, the form available online for you to fill out um, it's right fully there, electronic so, now yeah. too you don't have to download print it and go fill it out you can fill in all the items online we've made it easy you can download and drop all the documents that uh that the supporting documents and things that you want to uh, give us to to let us know what's yep. going on you can do that all online it's very it's been simplified and streamlined yeah um and so we're about to uh, make a little transition oh, yeah. here to um we have a guest a special guest that's going to be on with us this week so yeah. matt odom if you don't know him he's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes so good he's um, one of those guys that it like it, i don't know that a ton like people know him in the church but i bet there's a lot of people that don't know him and you should know him. Like, I mean, if you want a, some levity in your life and some joy in your life, he's got an amazing story um, and just, just a great guy. I've known him for a, a long time and uh, just a, a great person to have in. He's got some insight into addiction and addiction yeah. ministry. He runs a recovery group here yeah. at Ocean City Church. And in this season, 
this is huge. Yeah. And it's huge, and I'm glad to have somebody that can speak into it from a background um, and uh, has gone through a lot, but also has been on the other side and knows what's going on right yeah. now. So yeah, I so am stoked about You don't want to miss our not. time with Matt here coming up. And Could so, go off the rails. I don't know, with the three of us, because we know each other pretty well. Yeah, we'll have to put like a 30-second delay in there, Gerald, for, uh, for Matt. Editing. But um, hey. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, before that, if you're if you're new to Ocean City Church or you've somehow stumbled on our live stream in um, in this season of your life, um, we would love to connect with you and get to know you. So there's a place that you can go on the Ocean City website where it says uh, "I'm new here" and there's an online connect card on there. You can fill that out. It's the easiest way to kind of take a first step and get connected with our church. But we'd love to connect you to some of the resources that we've been talking about. Get you on some of these. Uh, mailing list, get you into a city group if that's what you want to do. You say, hey, I want to, in this to season, I want to connect with some other people so we can find a city group for you and get you connected in whatever way you'd like to be connected with us. But that's a great place to start if you're new. And so, I mean, go to the site and fill that out there. And um, we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back with Matt Odom. We'll be back. so good looking I, it's always you, you know, know guys not not to uh just be kind but i gotta tell you both of you guys look so much better on camera than you do in person so <laughs> maybe we'll just stick with this format i don't know man it seems you to be know it's amazing the I camera doesn't add this the 10 why. pounds that it used to so apparently not uh, gerald is really good with the special effects yeah he put obviously. the slimming uh filter on me today so and I That's see we're awesome. also been uh, we've been taking care of the face, uh, yeah, facial hair. So usually yeah. you're sporting a beard. So you're yeah. taking care of that. Yeah. No, the quarantine does uh, crazy things to people, man. I, uh, <laughs> I've had a beard for I think like eight or nine years, and uh, just decided, man, I, I think I want to cut this thing off. So um, so it's gone. <laughs> we'll yeah. see how long it lasts. 
I remember when the first time you walked into OCC, um, it was probably the only time you were ever early to church because you came in the morning when we had a night service. <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't have service. Oh, we didn't. What, no, what, I no. You guys were just there jamming out. And um, it was like we, we came to try out this new church that we had heard about. And we met I in the evening. There was like a bunch of uh, hoodlums in there playing music. <laughs> And um, you were all dressed up, and I thought Russell Crowe just walked in. <laughs> That's right. You had the, That's that the right. sweet beard, the hair was just flowing. Perfect. It was yes. flowing. Um, yeah, I was definitely George. channeling the Russell Crowe back then more so than. <laughs> Absolutely. Than, uh, My man's got a Harley, which I sit on every once in a while because I have a scooter. I have yes. to sit on Matt's Harley to infuse a little get my man card back and i usually take a picture of myself on it and keep it so great when they're parked next to each other and right outside the front door yeah. too, so. matt's gracious yeah. enough i do that on purpose make... i do it on purpose i park it there on purpose it's amazing so, yeah. so i wanted to uh get just have you uh, tell a little bit about i mean you and georgie your family um and uh, you guys are both uh anchors at ocean city church and kids i know you do security and you're on the first impressions team as well um, and also lead uh, a recovery group here with guys on Tuesday night. That's been, I think, since tw since we opened the doors, you've been doing that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just tell us a little bit about family, kids. Tell us who your kids are, the whole nine yards. Yeah, so uh, obviously, I think most people probably know my wife more than they know me. And uh, her name's Georgie. Uh, we've been married for, I think we're coming up on 13 years here in May. Congrats. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, feels like feels like two or three years, honestly. I mean, so, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Um, I had to put that out there. And then uh, then we've got uh, my oldest daughter, who is uh, Elizabeth. She's, I believe she's 27. I have a hard time keeping up with my own age, much less my, my children's <laughs> ages. And uh, she lives here in Jacksonville. She lives out in the uh, Riverside area where all the cool kids live. And um, then my... Uh, daughter Presley, she's uh, she's 11 and attends the church. A lot of folks know her. And then Luke, uh, oh, yeah. my little man, he's uh, 10 years old. So, uh, and we all live out here in uh, the beaches area. Awesome. So what's that? And I love Matt, like following you on social media and you're posting things about uh, your kids and just doing the father thing and trying to get your kids to you know, get us excited about the things that you are in life that, you know, yeah. follow along with the same. So what's been good and what's been crazy about this time in the life, in the, in your life in the Odom house and um, staying at home with, with everybody? Well, you know, and I think probably everybody's had this experience and that it's, uh, you know, look, I mean, we've remained very busy throughout all of this, but it has still slowed things down. Right. Um, and, and it's definitely shrunk our world um, to the point where, I mean, you got to deal with everybody in your household almost every minute of every day. Right. So uh, I wish I could say that I was very proud of how I've uh, acted uh, through that throughout the entire time that we've been in quarantine. But there's been a couple of rough patches, um, admittedly. And, uh, you know, a couple of regretful moments, uh, but, uh, but overall, um, and, and honestly, uh, it's been, it's really been a pleasure to be, um, in and around my family, uh, this closely, you know, for this period of time. And I've just tried to look at it. And I think we all have as, um, as an opportunity where, 
you know, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be over at some point, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe in a month, whatever. And then it's going to, this isn't going to be the deal anymore. So, you know, and it's going to be back to, you know, ripping and running, going everywhere that we go. Um, you know, basketball, dance, Georgie salon, uh, you know, me, you know, back to traveling for work and being out in an office and whatnot. And, um, and I think that we'll probably miss these days, but I, look, I, I miss my old life too. Right. So, you know, I think there's, there's good and bad with all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give people, people, like I said in the, in the, in the break, right before we went to break, you're the one person in the church. I think, I mean, there's probably a few people like this, but you know, several people know you, but there's a lot of people that don't know you and they should know you. Um, and one of the reasons, not just because you're funny and every time we talk and get together, we probably laugh more than we do anything, but uh, you have an amazing story, um, an awful story, but an amazing story of redemption um, and uh, just a, a, a cool Jesus story. I was in a freedom course with you, and I remember just going, oh, my, you know, just having that as you were telling your story. Um, and I, I know we can't go, go into um, detail and, and depth just because of time, but I'd love to get a snapshot of, you know, your life, uh, church, and kind of what, what it, you know, where where all this came to a head and, and how Jesus came through for you. Um, just, I think it would be a, a powerful thing to, to tell the church and just a representation sure. of how cool Jesus is. Yeah, no, and uh, it, it, Jesus is definitely very cool. Um, I have, it, you know, so, you know, I grew up in the church, um, you know, grew up uh, Southern Baptist. Uh, you know, we... Uh, basically you know polished everything up so you know by the time we got to church it didn't look like we had any problems that was uh that was always the deal when i was growing up uh but you know honestly my experience in church was phenomenal you know we were active in our youth group um you know grew up in north carolina so it's just a bible belt it's just what you did and um so i you know i, I had been taught about jesus i knew who he was um, you know, in, in the way that I, you know, had been told who he was, but I hadn't really, I don't, I don't guess that I had really experienced him at that point in time. And, you know, as, as life went on, uh, we moved around, um, quite a bit and, uh, my dad, it, just by the nature of his work and, um, you know, both of my parents, uh, were, uh, married, uh, the entire time my dad was alive. My dad just passed away a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, so we didn't have a broken home or any of those things, any of the, you know, leading indicators, right, of, uh, of you know, kind of having a, a troubled uh, youth. And, man, I, uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed drinking. I enjoyed, um, you know, recreationally using drugs and, you know, if there's such a thing. And, uh, you know, I just thought that I was, uh, you know, a partier, you know. And, uh, and it worked for, uh, you know, for a good while. And I had a really good time for a good while. And then it really turned on me. And, um, you know, it turned on me and, and, uh, and I promptly got sober about 10 or 11 years later, right? So, you know, um, it's a, you know, addiction is a really tough thing to break uh, the cycle of. And um, normally, you know, what I found and what my experience was, was that, you know, I was a smart guy, um, felt like I could uh, get through or, or, or manage 
you know, just about anything. So, yeah, maybe I have an alcohol problem, but I can manage it. I'm not going to be one of those people that, you know, uh, you know, ends up under a bridge or whatever. Right. So, um, cause that's what an alcoholic is. Right. So anyway, uh, you know, fast forward to, you know, around 30 years old and, uh, my life was like a groundhog day in that movie. Um, you know, it, it all looked the same. Nothing was progressing. And uh, I was very, it was very frustrating. And I made some very, uh, you know, solid attempts at, um, at, at getting sober, you know, at breaking that cycle. And, um, you know, I mean, I found myself on my knees crying out to God, uh, many times, you know, ended up in a revival in church and, you know, you know, laid it all out, you know, and, and, you know, had all these very prayerful pleas for, uh, for mercy really. And, um, you know, and none of that really worked. And, as I look back on it, I think the, the number one reason is because uh, I still had a sense that somehow I was going to be, you know, the reason that I stopped doing those things, right? You know, that I was going to be able to kind of bootstrap myself up and figure it out. Hmm. And it wasn't until I completely surrendered uh, and came to the realization that, you know, all of my best efforts had landed me where I was at, which was not a very pretty place. And, you know, was I going to continue to trust my thinking on this or was I going to maybe take some direction from some people that had been there before and had, uh, you know, had, uh, had been able to stay, uh, you know, had long-term sobriety and were, you know, seemingly happy people. And uh, so I decided that, that, um, you know, Either God is or he isn't, and I chose to believe that he is. And um, if he is this all-powerful uh, being, you know, omnipotent, omnipresent, you know, can handle all things, then uh, maybe I should step back and let him do that. And um, so I did. And, you know, I, I did end up in a 12-step program, which I'm still a part of today. And... Uh, you know, admittedly, the fellowship in that has been the uh, sustaining force, you know, throughout, uh, you know, the 17 years that I've been sober. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, addiction is typically some form of escape, you know, for me, you know, I mean, we did that, you know, the life course where we you know, find our idols and whatnot. And I think one of those idols should be escape. Right. You know, because that's mine. Like, I, you know, sometimes I just don't want to feel the things that I'm feeling. You know, I don't want to. And, and it's and it's not even that I'm looking at these things and thinking like, oh, I, I'm not going to deal with these things ever. It's that I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't want to deal with the stress of this situation uh, right now with, uh, you know, contemplating the future. I just want to shut it all off. And, um, and that's where it kind of gets started. It becomes a coping mechanism, you know, for, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I've had to, uh, I've had to learn how to live life without that. And, uh, you know, the only effective way that I've found to be able to do that is through, uh, you know, strong fellowship with other like-minded people, um, and a direct, uh, connection and relationship with God, 
wherein I'm thanking him every day for, uh, for his grace. Um, and I'm asking him every day for his favor in the morning, you know, um, and, uh, you know, that way it keeps it off of me where, you know, where I'm not really responsible for all the results, you know, um, he is. And, uh, and, you know, you can't get to where I'm at right now. And I'm, uh, and I'm not talking about any of the, uh, three dimensional stuff, right. I'm talking about like where I'm at from a, uh, ability to be, uh, truly happy, look at myself in the mirror every day, um, know who I am, be uh, accepting of who I am. You can't get here from where I was at without God. It, do it doesn't happen. And, um, you know, I spent the first uh, couple of years that I was sober really um, questioning, um, you know, what I had learned in church and had to step back for uh, I stepped back for actually a couple of years. And all that I focused on during that period of time as it relates to, uh, you know, Jesus was uh, developing just a one on one relationship with him. And that's how I got to know him. And, you know, if you don't talk to someone regularly, if you don't spend time getting to know someone and letting them get to know you, there's no relationship there. And that's something that I lacked, you know, until I was, you know, 31 years old, you know, I'm 48 today. So, um, but, you know, in a nutshell, that's my story. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, it's an incredible story from the standpoint of, I think it speaks to such a broad audience of people. I mean, I know I've struggled with addiction. I think most people in some way, shape, or form have struggled with some kind of addiction. Um, if they're really honest with themselves, they can see uh, behavior or patterns in their life where they've liked something too much. And that's really, you know, addiction is just an exchange of instead of worshiping God, I'm worshiping this, this thing. And, and if I don't have that thing, that ultimate thing that I have to have, then, you know, then I'm going to get angry or I'm going to get despondent or I'm going to, you know, be depressed. And so... Um, but I think there's a lot of people too, Matt, you would, you probably see this in, you know, in your groups that you meet with, but there's a lot of people that are still stumbling in the dark through that. They're still struggling through, I, I, I don't want this to become exposed. And so it's going to, I'm going to keep it as my secret and I'm going to deal with it and manage it. And, you know, everything that I've read, and I'm sure you guys have too, that, you know, this, this season, this of, of um, quarantine and you know, has just really exposed, um, you know, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it might be, it's really exposed people's tendency towards addictions. And so, Matt, what would be your advice or how would you help lead somebody through that that may be isolated right now um, and may feel like that they don't have hope and that's the only thing that they can turn to? How, how have you managed that and what would be your advice to that person? Right. And so, and it, I'm careful not to be an advisor, right? Um, it just, I just want to put that out there. Um, and only that, um, you know, what I've found to be the most uh, effective thing and, and really kind of the basis of, of uh, you know, the, the sobriety that I've found is that, um, you know, sharing your experience, strength and hope with others is, uh, is what brings um, some substance to what you have to say and maybe rings true with, with, uh, with some folks. But to your point, um, you know, it, 
people have a myriad of addictions. Um, they tell you, you know, when you get sober, you know, if you want to find out all the things that you're addicted to, just stay sober for a while. And, um, that's and that's, great. you know, that's, that's been my, that's been my experience. Like, you know, all these, uh, things that you want to, um, uh, you know, that you turn to, it's like, well, I'm not drinking anymore. So I guess this would be okay. You know, cause that's not that bad, you know? And, um, and you know, what you find is that you're continually stuffing into this God shaped hole. Uh, you know, these things that don't fit there, you know, and uh, that are that are not going to bring any uh, uh, satisfaction or lasting uh, 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 happiness, you know, or joy into your life. So, um, you know, with that, you know, honestly, until you can find the ability to open up to someone else and to recognize your own inability to kind of manage a, situ a situation on your own. Um, it's really tough, man, you know, because for as long as someone thinks that they can manage it, you know, and they believe in that lie, um, it's very hard to get through to someone. And, you know, I would just encourage people that if you've got First of all, if you've got people around you that are, you know, people that love you that are telling you things like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that. Or, you know, if you're if your wife is telling you, like, you don't understand, like you watching uh, that garbage makes me feel like less of, you know, less of a wife to you, you know, like makes me feel devalued in our relationship because the. The funny thing with addiction is everybody who has an addiction, regardless of what it is, whether it's, you know, shopping on Amazon or whatever the case may be, I mean, everybody has the ability to kind of uh, justify it, right? Mm -hmm. And the justification nine times out of 10 is, well, you know, look, it's not hurting anybody but me. Mm -hmm. And that's the big lie, um, is that it's not hurting anybody but you. It's typically hurting everyone around you in some way, shape or form whether it's something just as uh, limited as, um, you know, not being able to be present in the moment because you are focused on your addiction, whatever that yeah. may be, right? Yeah. You know, and, um, and that's, you know, that's taxing on a family. But, it, you know, it, I think the other thing is too, and, you know, the fellas, just like this quarantine, man, like we're stuck here in the in the house you know within the confines of you know your family and whatnot and uh georgie and i went to home depot yesterday she's had me on you know 100 different projects if anybody's followed her on instagram you've seen most of them and um uh but you know we're there and we run into uh seth and marlo johnson right mm -hmm. and all but all four of us were like hey you know <laughs> this, this identification like Hey, it, it, it's not just like, hey, we love these people. We do love those people. But the thing is, is like, we know that they are going through what we're going through. And there is that sense of community in that. And so you stand there and you're able to just talk about those things in a way, you know, as believers and, you know, um, and, and as uh, families and knowing that, you know, the stuff that you're sharing with them, like they're not going to look at you like you're crazy because, you uh, because they're going through it too. And it's the same thing with addiction, like that identification with other people, being honest about who you are, uh, you know, being vulnerable enough to, you know, share about, 
you know, where you can um, identify with someone else on, uh, you know, with the struggles that they're having, like that's what creates um, the ability for somebody to really be able to talk about what's going on in their life and to, and to, um, and to get it out in the light because, you know, addiction is one of those things that just wants you hold up, just like coronavirus, man, it just wants you hold up by yourself, hating yourself, uh, feeling less than, um, feeling like you can't overcome this thing. Like that's what addiction wants. It wants you isolated out so that no one can help you. And so that you feel like you can't be helped. And the number one thing to help that out is to shine light on it, man, to get to like, don't believe that thing in your head that's saying like, people aren't going to like you if you tell them what's going on with you. Yeah. Now, look, I struggle with, with, with my weight, right? I'm not going to walk up to the guy that, that eats, you know, 20 cheeseburgers a day and tells me, bro, all you got to do is like, it's like, don't, please don't give me any advice. Dude. Like you, you will never struggle with what I struggle with. Um, you know, that's why I like to talk to Dan, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and, and Seth, I mean, these, these are my guys, right? You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't go up and, uh, you know, uh, talk to, you know, other guys that, that don't struggle with that stuff about that stuff. And the reason being, it's not because those people are, you know, bad people or they can't, you know, but they don't get it. They don't understand it. Right. right. And it's the same thing when it comes to addiction. If you're talking to people that are, that are telling you, well, what you need, you just need to let Jesus take care of that for you. You know, it's like, I've never really had that, that problem before, but that God. I saw it on, on TV one time and, and uh, they were saying it's a bad thing. You know, if, if you're talking to that person, no, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, but when you're talking to someone and you're like, man, like I can't sit, stop drinking. And I swore this morning, this morning I said, I am not drinking again. And, you know, by seven o'clock this evening, I was hammered. Like, what is that? And when you're telling somebody that and they look at you and go, yeah, me too. Like, I understand exactly what you're talking mm. about. I've had that experience. I mean, that's comforting, man. Like that, that leads you in a direction of, you know, finding a solution and, and being able to be honest and feeling like you have fellowship and community, yeah. you know, so. So good. I mean, I think that's the, like the diversity of the church. Like yes. if we're, if we're honest and transparent as a church and one of the things that, um, I hope we always are this way as a church where we can we can talk about life in a way where we can say, hey, one, I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm not just not perfect. I'm far from perfect. And it is a miracle that I'm here. And this is the these are the things that I stumble with, because I think I used to walk in church and think it's only me, especially as a young person. Like I'm the one in the back. I'm like, they don't know this, but I shouldn't be here. And, and now I realize the church is full of all these people that have walked through these things. And it's not that we all celebrate Hey, we all got problems. I guess this is the way it's going to be. But it's 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 a pathway home. I mean, Scripture says exactly what you said: is shining light on something is where freedom is found. It says that, you know, yeah. First John. It's just like we, if you stand in the light, that is where the enemy can't operate because all of a sudden all of his tools have been revealed. And it's Absolutely. like if everybody if everybody knows, then I no longer have to hide. Yeah. And it's it's it's. It's beautiful in the church when it starts to operate that way, when you're in a small group or you're in a guy's group or a girl's group, and it's like, hey, we all know each other's stuff, and actually, we're getting some traction, and we can't do it alone. We're not better people, but we're better together, certainly. Yes. Um, and that's, that's so powerful, man. Such good yeah. stuff. And there's just, 
I mean, I just think about the hope that's found in Jesus in, in your story and how, yeah. you know, only Jesus could really, I mean, you hear the, the relapses of all, you know, all the, the rehab stories and the relapses and the fact that, you know, that, you know, however many years, you know, it's 13, 17 years, however long it's been for you that, you know, and it's, it's being guarded and protected by Jesus. And, and just the encouragement for, for those out there listening is that there is freedom in Jesus from the things that, that have, um, captivated us yeah. uh, around this idea of addiction and that, um, you're not alone and, and, you know, a place like first John one is, is a great place to go. It talks about stepping into the light. You know, if we think that we're without sin, we're only lying to ourselves. And I think addiction is one of those things where we lie to ourselves a lot. We lie to everybody around us, but you're really just lying to you. Yeah. And God says, I, I know everything about you. I know the very number of hairs on your head. So you think you're fooling me? No, you're only fooling you. And so that idea of stepping into the light and inviting other people into that. And maybe today it's, hey, I want to connect with Matt and talk about some of this. Or maybe, you know, connecting with somebody in the church and just saying, hey, I want to take a first step to say, I need help here. Um, you know, that's, they're so, you know, we feel like, man, it's, it scares us to death because our whole world is going to collide. Well, you've already blown up your world um, <laughs> through what you've been, through your addiction and through your behavior. And, and God can come in and provide a mercy and a grace. And that's, that's why we talk about the ocean of grace. That's what the ocean of grace is about. And so Matt, it's so encouraging to hear how you've waited in that, waited in the ocean of grace and no, it hasn't been easy. Um, but, um, been, it's been such encouragement to our church to, um, and, and for like me personally, um, just how to hear, you know, you share about the things that you struggle with and the things that you struggle with even today and how, you know, how, how Jesus has provided um, freedom for you in, yeah. in that area of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we really appreciate it. This has been so good. I mean, it's just good. To, we, we, need to, we need to hang out more, talk more. Um, I guess we can't right now. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We can do this, but it's about it. Um, but, man, it is, so, it is so timely. I mean, I, I, right now, it, you know, addiction is on the rise. Depression is on the rise. Isolation uh, is causing a lot of that. Uh, fear and anxiety is causing a lot of that. Suicide um, is skyrocketing right now. I just saw a new uh, report with numbers. Um, and for people to hear from someone that coped and used alcohol, drugs, isolation, running and hiding as a, uh, and, and you can say, you know, with authority, it doesn't work. I mean, it, it, it will medicate. I mean, yeah. it's, it, I mean, Drugs, they, they make you feel good, and alcohol, I mean, all those, they, they work for a season, but ultimately, it's slavery, and I, yeah. I love that that's your testimony, that, that it's, you know, every time you go to a meeting, every time you walk into church, every time you hit your knees, and something's pulling on you, like you said, we all have that draw towards those things, um, that you know that freedom can be found, yeah. and, and, you, and you're not, you, you're not, you know, off in the cloud somewhere saying, oh, this will never happen again. But you know that it's, it's one of these things where it's like I constantly have to be clinging to community, but more importantly, clinging to Jesus. So yeah. such a great message, man. Thanks yeah. so much for being with us. Hug Thank Georgie and the kids uh, for us. We miss all of them. We miss the, the crazy. Luke, man, I, 
the videos of Luke sometimes that you've sent me yeah, are some of the great. most amazing. Like, if I want to define what what having a boy is all about, you get videos yeah. that Matt sends you of his son slamming himself into a wall. I remember that video <laughs> you sent me was the best thing ever. Anyway, we love you, man. Have, have love a you guys too. Great rest of your Sunday. We really, really appreciate you sharing. Uh, yeah, thank you, OCC. Bye, yeah, guys. Man. Take care, Matt. Take care, Matt. All right, we'll be, uh, we'll be right back. If you got your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Acts 4. We took a little break for Easter from Acts and Acts, but we're back in it. It's going to be a good one. Welcome back, man. I, I, I can't tell you. I, I, I love Matt, and um, Matt would tell you uh, I'm, I'm in a conversation with him, you know, it's not been a, a, the easy road. Uh, it's been a, you know, a, an up and down road and his successes, and um, it's not something that goes away, but man, his, his story of redemption is a powerful one. And in a time and in a season where uh, I think the propensity for people to find themselves in a hole very quickly, uh, without any hope or feeling without feeling hope, um, can be can happen in this season so quickly. Um, you know, in Acts chapter four, as we dig in, 
Uh, and I'm probably going to break this into two chunks just for time. And there's so much here that I want, I want you to get because we've just come off the heels of an amazing miracle in Acts chapter 3. Um, and there's some amazing things that we'll see in Acts chapter 4. Uh, but it's about miracles. Like when I, if I could title uh, some of today, it would be, you know, I can't help it. Like you get this sense of this um, miracle. And when you experience the power of God, when, you, when these guys had experienced Jesus, when Peter and John came into a situation like they're coming into now, they had experienced, they had, they had been with Jesus, one. They had witnessed his death, burial, and resurrection, number two. And now they had just been a part of the gospel coming, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming, uh, tongues of fire. I mean, just, just this explosion of the church. Um, and in, in his spirit, they were operating from this place of um, saying, there's nothing that can back us down uh, because God's with us. And there's nothing that will back us down because we've seen all these things happen. Uh, and so today is really a lot about miracles. When I, when I think about the idea of a miracle, it's, it is a kind of a controversial thing. Even inside the church, whether or not miracles do, miracles still happen today, you know, are there miracles? So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I, it made, when I was, I just, I think I just told my kids this, this story, but uh, when I was about 12 years old, you know, you're already struggling in middle school with identity and thinking you look weird. And every time you walk into school, you're like, who, who likes me? Who are my friends? You know, what group am I going to hang out with? You're just, it's just awkward town. Uh, and and I, I like skateboarding, and I used to scrape my knee up all the time. And all of a sudden, I just started getting these warts on my knee. Um, and I got more and more. And every time I'd scrape my knee, two or three more warts, till I had so many on there, I started to get very self-conscious. And again, you're already self-conscious as a, a middle schooler anywhere, anyway. And I didn't like wearing shorts. If I was in shorts and I'd sit down, I always had my hand over my knee. Uh, and my mom told my grandmother. Now, just a little bit of background on my grandmother. My grandmother was... Uh, Absolutely, a when you hear the word Jesus freak, uh, whether you've been to church or not, you kind of get that picture. She was that, uh, but in the best way possible. But as a 12-year-old, it kind of made you nervous. But everywhere she went, um, she talked about Jesus. She, was, uh, she became a Christian after my mom, but when she did, she was in the Catholic Church, um, and then a, one of the bishops in the Catholic Church just started having a Bible study, which was unusual in the Catholic Church to study the Bible without the priest. But everybody could have a Bible, and they kind of did it as an underground thing. And she became a Christian, and I mean, she was like, it was like the Pentecost happened. Every, everywhere she went, she was telling people about Jesus. If you got on a plane with my grandmother, you were going to hear about Jesus, whether you liked it or not. I mean, if you were in the store and you have a limp, she's coming up to pray for you in Publix. I mean, that's just the way. And it's in all honesty, um, and you can comment on the stream, I mean, that can be a little cringy. You know, when you got people like that around. But that's just the way that she was. I mean, she had Bible studies in her house, would baptize people in her bathtub. I mean, just a legacy of following Jesus with boldness. And so my mom tells my grandmother that I got warts on my knee and that I'm self-conscious about it. Of course, as a middle school, I'm like, Mom, come on. Uh, and I didn't. I was like, oh, Gigi's going to pray for this. Now, I mean, and my grandmother was amazing. I mean, she was a stand-up comedian in Chicago growing up. I mean, she's just a phenomenal human being, one of the funniest people ever, um, and loved Jesus. But as a 12-year-old, I was like, oh. Uh, so she did. Gigi with, you know, and, and just absolute with power, prayed for, prayed for the, the warts on my knee. And I was like, you know, I'll try anything. I, don't, I hated him. Um, and I'll just tell you this. Something happened when she prayed for him. And within a day, and we had tried everything, within a day or two, they started falling off. And I had 14 of them. I remember because I hated them. 14 warts. And day one, day two, a couple warts. Day three, four, five more warts. By, by 
four, five, six days, all the warts were gone off my knee. Now, I know some of y'all are like, I, I mean, what you think about miracles. I'm telling you, as a 12-year-old, I was already kind of cynical and not wanting my grandmother to pray for me anyway. They were gone, and they never came back. And I just thought, There's, that was, something happened. I mean, I just thought, I mean, at the time, it's like, Gigi's got the God power. Like, I mean, I just was freaked out about it. And I don't know what you think about miracles or how you, what your mind, where it goes when, it, when you think about, do miracles exist today? Um, but it, it's, it's what we see in Scripture that we get excited about. But what does that look like in our world? And I, it's interesting, right now in our society, right now where we are with the, with the things that are going on, people are dying. I mean, we see it in the news. Um, people have lost their identity and work because they can't work. People can't provide. Depression is skyrocketing. Suicide skyrocketing. Addiction uh, is on the rise, just as we talked about with Matt. Um, and people are saying, where is God in the midst of all this? Um, and all of our attention is on this distracting thing in the media. I mean, it's just all of these things are happening. And what's beautiful about the story that we're getting ready to, to dig into is in the midst of the pressure cooker of persecution, suffering, when difficult things happen, God shows himself strong. And so I think, as I was doing research on miracles, I found this article, um, was written a while back in Psychology Today, and this is what it's, it, this is uh, one of the quotes from it, talking about the supernatural and miracles. It says, there are motivational reasons for religious belief or believing in miracles. People who are socially isolated tend to have more religious faith, perhaps allowing them to feel they're not truly alone. And I just thought that was interesting that isolation pushes people not only towards things like addiction and all the things that we mentioned, but it also pushes them towards the, their need for God. Likewise, people facing death are more likely to express faith in God and the afterlife. The old saying that there are no atheists on the battlefield is no doubt true to a large extent. Now take note, this guy's not a Christian. He's a psychologist. He's a doctor. Um, he says, furthermore, faith in God increases when situations become uncontrollable, as in the case of natural disasters. I think this is written long before coronavirus. Believing that God has a plan helps people regain a sense of control or at least acceptance. It's a non-Christian saying, People in the midst of uncontrollable circumstances, in the midst of death, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of, a, of, of, of uncontrollable circumstances, all of a sudden become softened to the idea of religion, the idea of the supernatural, the idea of miracles. It's interesting, I, I looked, there was an NPR article out there also that talked about millennials actually believe in miracles. Like, there's a large portion of the millennials decreasing in going to church, decreasing in trusting anybody in the religious world, but they are very spiritual and believe, I mean, believe in miracles. And I thought it was just there's a softening in our society today. And I think the tension is when we read a passage like this where a guy who had been lame for 40 years since birth all of a sudden regains bone density, regains muscle tissue, and gets up and walks, praises God, attaches himself to Peter and John, and it's like, wherever you guys are going, I'm going. If you need me to tell the story, I'm ready to tell the story because it happened to me. When stuff like that happens, I think it begs the question, you know, are there miracles today? You know, do they happen all the time? What, what's the formula for a miracle to happen for Christian people? You know, what's the purpose in miracles? Why, you know, why did miracles take place? Um, and if miracles exist and God has the power to fix things, why does bad stuff happen if he can fix it? 
If God is sovereign, if God, if God can move, if, if omnipotence and his all-powerful nature can change things, why aren't all things changed? Why is there suffering on planet Earth? So I want to I look at a few of those questions. Maybe I'll, we'll talk about a couple of them today, and then we'll uh, jump into a couple next week. But I want to start in verse 5 in Acts chapter 4, but I'll lead into this. So Peter and John have just healed this guy. They've gone back to their people, um, left the temple after the healing, um, and uh, 5,000 people have come to know Jesus. And the religious leaders are frustrated. It says in the first, I think in the first couple of verses that they were, um, they were annoyed because they, they, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So these guys were preaching and they were annoyed. So they arrested Peter and John. And then the next day, um, they're like, we gotta, we got to figure out what to do with these guys because a revolution is starting. You know, we, we did, we've, all we wanted was this thing to be shut down, but it's, it's, it's not getting shut down. It keeps moving forward. So in verse 5, it says, The next day, so these guys have been in jail. The next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John Alexander, and others of the high priestly family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Uh, and they said, and I love this, By what power or what name... Did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. I love that they asked that question because you know Peter was like, I can't wait. I, 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 I'm so glad you asked by what name and by what power did you do this? Like, uh, you know, I thought you'd never ask. You know, they're thinking, you know, this is how we're going to pin them down. Because if, if, if this isn't linked to, the, you know, God in any way or not to, to, to Judaism, then it's going to be heresy and it's going to be blasphemy and it's going to, we're going to have to claim that this is demonic power. I mean, they were waiting for him to say Jesus. He couldn't wait to say Jesus. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to him, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, this Jesus that you don't believe in, this Jesus we're proclaiming, is the stone you builders rejected. I mean, the boldness which has become the cornerstone. Now take note that these guys, Caiaphas, the rest of these religious leaders, these were the guys that crucified Jesus, and he's making it very clear and then, I love this, if you've ever been here and I've said, you know, um, Jesus saves and nothing else does, is a common statement I'll make from up front. Like, that's what we believe. Like, it seems like this controversial thing. Like, we don't think anything else works. Matt was saying the same thing. There's a God-shaped hole. Jesus saves and nothing else does. This is where it comes from. He says very boldly, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I love it. I love that, that that statement's in there and it's as bold as it is because I think in a world where, you know, not that we want to flippantly just tell people like, you know, what do we do in the middle of this global pandemic? Well, Jesus saves. I mean, I don't think we, we, we want to give somebody that kind of response, but we really do believe that a relationship with Jesus changes things. It changes things spiritually in your heart and in your mind can draw your heart away from the circumstantial craziness that you're in. Not to be disconnected from it like it, it doesn't exist, but to know that death is not final. Death didn't overcome him, and it's possible that death might not overcome you in your sin. It's a powerful, powerful statement. 
In verse 13, it says, when they saw, these guys were watching. This is a cool thing. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They're like, these guys, we know were fishermen in Galilee. These weren't educated guys. And now they're speaking with intellect. This is pretty astonishing. And then they're like, and, and he's attached to Jesus. So they're putting it together and getting even more frustrated going, something's happening in this situation, in this scenario, and we can't control it. We've arrested them, you know, and you know, we've brought them before us to speak, and we can't, there's not much we can do. And then, and then they, they talk to him, verse 14 says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing where there with them, they could say nothing. I love it. I mean, have you ever been in that situation where you like, well, you want to be right? You're like, you know, you're in an argument, and all of a sudden the proof is like right there, and you look, and you're like, oh. You had to bring that. Like, I have no way of, of arguing. The guy with brand new legs, all muscle tissue, bone density, all there going, you know, standing there, there's nothing they could say. And so they, they said, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They confer, they're like, dude, you guys got to leave for a second because we got to talk. We got we to figure this out. So they go back in the room, Peter and John, and the, the guy that's dancing around and praising God next to him um, is outside the room. And they're like, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name. So they said, that's a good strategy. Let's try that. So they called them all back in there and said, okay, come back in. And then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And I love this response. And this reminds me of my, my grandmother because she couldn't help herself. Like I, she just, I, there was something in her that wherever she went, she couldn't help but talk to you about Jesus or pray for you, believing that God and the power of God was real and that things could change. And I'm just telling you, miracles follow this woman. That, the, the response here is, is amazing. So they call him back in and uh, Peter and John reply, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. These guys had witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This guy was dead. They watched him bleed out on a cross, and then they, they hung out with him. They ate, I mean, they had campfire hangouts with food and bread. I mean, they saw him walking around. They saw him ascend. They were a part of the day of Pentecost with the tongues of fire and the movement of the church going from this small group of people, this small band of people to thousands and thousands and thousands that were growing. This revolution they were trying to stop wasn't stopping. And these guys had boldness because they had experienced this power and the power of the Holy Spirit was on them and moving through them. So we can't, we can't stop talking. And so after further threats, they're just like, Let's, we got to let them go. It says this. I love this. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. They're like, we can't really do anything to them. Like, we want to give them a lashing. You know, we want to do something to them, but we might die. The mob might come after us because 5,000 people had been at it. They're in the temple. All this happens, and 5,000 say, I want to I follow Jesus because this is real. This is powerful. So I just, 
I love this moment in the book of Acts because you, you have these miracles all through the book of Acts. You have these movements of the power of God and it all of a sudden uproots this idea. One, like in the situation that we're in, do, you know, is God going to come through? Is there going to be a miracle you know, in, in the economic world, in the, in the medical world? Is, there, is God going to come through? Is the church going to be the catalyst where somebody's going to get prayed for and get healed of COVID-19? Or the virus is going to be shut down because people pray. I, I pray for that. We should be praying. We should be on our knees every day praying that God would move, that would be a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit, that this would be removed. Not just to free people from the health issue but that people might turn their hearts towards God because that's what happened. So one of the questions, and I'm only going to cover a couple of them because I know we've, we've burned up some amazing time with Matt and it was great. Um, but are there miracles today? Like, are there, does this kind of stuff happen today? Now, even in, inside church world, this is a question that is debated. Like some churches, and we talked about this in week one, believe that, yes, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit is and dwells in you when you're a Christian, but the gifts of the Spirit, the power, we call them the power gifts, the gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, um, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, those type of power gifts, those ceased with the apostles. So that's one, one kind of portion of the church, that those gifts, we don't see miracles anymore. You know, uh, it, it says in 1 Corinthians, and this is one of the interpretations of why some people would believe that, that, you know, um, you know, one day the church won't need it when the word of God is perfect. And that's what they would believe that the, the interpretation of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is. When the perfect comes, then we gift, the gifts, will, prophecy will cease, tongues will cease, these power gifts of healing, those will cease because the perfect is here. And they interpret the perfect as the word of God. But if you go read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you see that it's, it's leading us to the perfect being Jesus. When the perfect comes, we won't need the gift of faith. When the perfect comes, we won't need the gifts of healing. When the perfect comes, I won't need the, the, I'll be out of a job. We won't need to preach the gospel because the gospel incarnate, Jesus, we will be seeing him face to face. So that's the way that we interpret. So if you're wondering, what do we believe? We believe that those gifts exist because we are in the same period that the apostles are in, the, period, the church period, where we need the power of the Holy Spirit moving. Certainly this was a special time in the life of the apostles. And, and I'm not Apostle Paul, and neither are any of you. But the, the, the power always comes from God, and it's something that we've, we've always needed. As a church leader, I, I, who would want to plant a church and say, you know, let's take the Holy Spirit, who was instrumental in launching the church, and say, we don't really need the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just, we're going to open up the, the Bible, we'll just read it to people, we'll preach clever sermons, and just hope that people all of a sudden believe no, these stories are crazy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to turn hearts and open eyes so that people, the scales fall off and people realize, oh my goodness, Jesus does save and nothing else does. So we believe in miracles. A couple of reasons. One that I just mentioned, there's no biblical evidence that, that miracles have ceased, that the power gifts of healing, the power of the Holy Spirit and prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, that any of that has ceased. There's no biblical evidence for it. You can argue with me on the stream if you'd like, and I will respond. But there is no biblical evidence. Um, and then when you look at the whole of Scripture, you don't ever see God removing himself from the equation when it comes to what happens. I mean, take Gideon, for instance, in the Old Testament. God wanted to make sure that everybody knew that Gideon, he, he picked the, the least of the tribe in this battle in the Old Testament. He's a, Gideon was a judge, very famous judge, but he thought he was, he was scared. 
And God said, oh, no, we're going to make you the, the, the mighty man of valor. And everybody would have thought, no, Gideon's the guy. He's on the threshold. He's scared. He's not, he's not the guy that we'd ever send in. And God says, you're going to be the one that goes in and defeats the Midianites. But what happens? He strips him down. He takes every chance he possibly would have to, to have a victory away from him. Runs his army down to 300 people against 35,000 people on the mountainside. And then all of a sudden... God's got it to this place, and he tells him why. He says, because I want, I want you to know, and I want everyone to know, that it is not by the hands of men. It is not by your hand, Gideon, that this defeat will happen, or that it does happen. It will be by the hand of God. God doesn't just send us out into the world as, as, as the church to do things without him, without his power, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without that in the mix. Because what it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are not going to boast in salvation. I, I can't save anybody. It is by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit that people are saved. So if you're wondering about, you know, does this still happen? And, and I would say, yes, absolutely. Look at the miracle with inside, inside the miracle. We need the boldness that Peter has. I don't know what kind of boldness you guys have. I don't know if you roll up in Publix and see somebody with a limp and you, and you pray for them. But that's not, not, that's not me, naturally. I mean, are we naturally evangelists that wherever we go, whatever we do, we can't help ourselves? I, I think we need that boldness in the church. We need that Holy Spirit power in the church to tell people about Jesus. Because there is fear. The natural human is going to be fearful. But these guys, something had happened to them. It says the Holy, they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and boldness came upon them. I mean, even the, the, the leaders there recognized it. They're like, these guys, if you look at the Greek translation for what these guys called them, when they were looking at them saying, hey, these are, these are unschooled, or, weren't they unschooled and ordinary men? What they were saying in the Greek is, weren't these guys, Galileans, weren't they ignorant? Ignoramuses is what it says in the Greek. I mean, they were really downing them. And, but they're saying they were ignor ignoramuses. And now, here's Peter, here's John, and they're speaking with the, cl the, the clarity and intellectual power of a Harvard graduate. And, a, and a, a guy with an MDiv in theology. And they're like, what happened to these guys? These guys have been with Jesus. That is, that is, the, that is the miracle within the miracle, was the boldness that we see. Um, and so I think the other question that's on the table is, you know, what's the purpose? I think that's an easy one in this passage, and we've talked about it before. What's the purpose for miracles? So I, we believe miracles exist. One, the purpose for miracles is not so that we can say what great church services we had, not so that one person can, you know, claim the healing power. It, it will always lean into everything that Peter does here, which is if you want to know how this happened, if you want to know how kindness was extended to this man or why kindness was extended, it was, it was by the hands of in the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No other name is what he says. No other name. Nobody can be saved any other way. Every time something happens with power, the, the, the proclamation doesn't get left on the table. It always leans towards Jesus and the movement of the gospel and the spreading of the gospel. I think that's one of those easy ones that we find here because salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. So, last thing I want, I, I want to cover, and then we're going we're gonna to cut it off for today, but why don't miracles uh, happen all the time? Like, what's, what's the formula, you know, for miracles? Like, do we, you know, why, we, do, they, do we just pray for people like they did, and all of a sudden stuff will happen because I'm a Christian? And, and what, we, what we know is that that wouldn't be true. Like, 
first of all, I think, you know, people ask that question, is it faith? You know, is it holiness? You know, do I need to be holy? Um, you know, uh, is there something that's blocking my healing? Is there a reason that I'm not getting healed? I've got cancer. A lot of different people have prayed for me. Why am I not being healed? What is the, what's the formula for miracles in Scripture? One is there is no formula. The only formula that, that there is is God is sovereign, and God is in control. God is powerful, and God can do what He wants when He wants, and He chooses to work through feeble and fallen clay like you and me. That's, that's the one easy easy one. But I think understanding faith is always in the mix when it comes to healing. But this idea that we have to figure out how, and there's theology that runs in this, in this, this world. And we have but like, if you're not being healed, you must have done something wrong. If you're not being healed, you must have something in your history that's keeping you from being healed. If you're not being healed, then you don't have enough faith. That is a ridiculous notion. And it is not biblical at all. You know why? Because all through the landscape of scripture, including with this guy, sinful, very sinful people like you and me got healed. They got healed over and over and over and over again. We see examples of this in scripture. They're not looking through somebody and going, okay, it's never God's rhythm in, in, in scripture and in anywhere in scripture to go, okay, if you can get sinless, if you can get holy, if you can eliminate these things from your life, if you can go back and remember if your parents were a part of a, you know, this, this weird cultish thing over here, if you can go there and deal with those, those deals, then I'll heal you. No, God takes somebody in his mercy when they're sinful, when they're walking away, when they don't care, when they don't believe a mustard seed of faith, just a, an ounce of faith comes in in his mercy. And that's when he heals. The biggest and greatest miracle of all is the cross of Jesus Christ. And when did that miracle happen? What does it say in Romans chapter 5? It says, when we, while we were yet sinners, while we were rebels, while we were walking away, while we had all of this crap, while we had, uh, when we had no shot, when we didn't care, Christ died for us. It wouldn't be any other way. God, the, the way that God works in miracles is mysterious. I don't know how God extends mercy when it comes to miracles, but I know it, he never puts it on us. He never says, because then what would we do? We would boast. We'd go, yeah, I got, I, got, I got, you know how I got free? I went to this thing, I went to this person, and I did all the right stuff, and I got holy, I fixed my life, I made some decisions, I eradicated this from my house, and then I got healed. Look at me. Look what I did. Look at all the things that I did so that I would be healed. Is that ever the rhythm of God? No. To him be all the glory, honor, and power, and praise forever and ever. Amen. It will never be that way. It will never be that way. Miracles come by the power of God. And he does it. Why? Mercy and kindness to you and me, but ultimately for his own glory, that his name would be proclaimed throughout all the earth. It is the engine that we see in the book of Acts. And when does he do it? Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. We see these powerful miracles. People walk in Peter's shadow in the upcoming passages in scripture and people get healed like crazy things. So miracles, yes, God works and moves in power. The apostle Paul performed amazing miracles, but guess what? Second Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul begs Three times, God, to take this thorn from his side. And Paul says, he doesn't do it. God's response to him is, my grace 
is sufficient for you. That my power will be known. My power will be made great. Thank you for the engine outside. I just have to say it. I think they know the live stream's going, so they're, they're revving their engine. Maybe it's Matt Odom on his Harley <laughs> saying, I am way more manly than you. Um, but the Apostle Paul, I mean, who healing was in the mix for the Apostle Paul. But God made those decisions. God decided along the way. Right? Because the Apostle Paul obviously prayed for this thorn to be taken. And for whatever reason, God said, nope, in this moment, you're going to walk through this. The Apostle Paul prayed for his friend Trophimus because he wanted him to go on his missionary journeys with him. But he's like, I can't take Trophimus because he's sick. Do you think he didn't pray for him? Timothy. You know, he, he tells Timothy, he says, hey, you might not want to drink. The, Timothy was sick. He says, you might not want to drink the water. Water might be bad. You might want to try a little bit of wine. You think he prayed for him? Yeah, he probably prayed for him. But in that instance, God didn't heal him. Somebody listened to that and they said, that's all I needed to know is I need a little wine. Um, but we don't know. God sometimes comes in and heals, sometimes he doesn't. But what we do know is that God is faithful. What we do know is that God does allow us to walk through the things that are happening on planet Earth. God allows things to happen that, that we might know him, that we might see him. And he always does it the way that he wants to. And I'll end with this. Man, I, this, this happened years ago. You know, when, when God turned my life around and just woke me up, and I started to really believe the words that I say here all the time, that Jesus saves and nothing else does. Some things started happening with Beth and I, um, and she was studying and kind of almost frustrated in this idea of believing in the super, like these, the supernatural move of miracles, prophecy, all this other stuff. She's like, does this stuff really exist today? Because we both grew up kind of in different camps. Like I grew up in a, a Pentecostal kind of charismatic church. She grew up in the Baptist church. And she's like, you know, we don't believe that, that that was possible. But she started to read more, and it started to, to bug her. She's like, there's people around me that I could pray for for healing now that I'm kind of in this camp. Uh, and we had neighbors down the street. Uh, you talk about cringy. This, this is, this, you might cringe a little bit in this story, but it's awesome. Uh, we had neighbors down the street. They were deaf, um, but their kids could hear, which is a miracle anyway. That They had two kids that could hear, um, and they were deaf. And we would see them all the time, cruising around. We would, you know, talk to them as best we could, usually translated through their kids. Um, the name, their names were the Rucabs. They were beautiful, sweet people. Anyway, I got home from work one day. Beth says, I think i got to pray for the Rucabs. God keeps leading me. Different things have happened in my life where I feel like I've got to go there. I don't want to, but God keeps telling me I need to go pray for the Rucabs that they would get their hearing back. That's serious right there, isn't it? I mean, all, some of you right now are going, who would I do that? And she didn't want to do it. But she went down there. And with the kids translating, you talk about awkward sauce, man. With the kids translating, she prays, she asked them, hey, can I pray for you? That was the miracle inside the miracle that they said, yes. Can I pray for you? And they said, come in. Absolutely. They were the sweetest people, um, not Christians. And uh, the, the kids translated, and Beth, I remember Beth telling me, it was so awkward. Like, she's, tell, she's praying, you know, I prayed, Lord Jesus, that the... That, the root calves would get their hearing back and, you know, and the girls, you know, there's a gap, you know, in the translation and she's just looking at them and the, the mom's looking at Beth like, you know, it just was weird. I mean, you talk about cringy. I'll just say right now, just because y'all are all wondering on pins and needles, did their hearing come back? They didn't get their hearing back. Um, but the story is amazing because after that, she prays for them, they're sweet and they go and um, after that, they, they came down to, to talk to me and Beth uh, and we were outside and we invited him to church. 
and uh, I, I mean, it was just one of those things. It just came out just like, hey, you, you, you know, you guys want to go to church? And after an awkward meeting, we thought there's no way they're going to say yes. Um, and they said yes. And they came to church the next week and uh, sat with us. And the craziest thing happened in church. I mean, this is God. This, only God could, could do this and orchestrate this. So they're sitting there in church, and this has never happened ever. It's not a, and, and this isn't a church. We should have taken them to a church that, that they, they have people that did, did sign language, but that, that wasn't this church. Never in the, when we've been to this church have they done this. So we're, we're starting worship. Everything's happening. This girl walks out. Her name's Laura Etherton. If, you're, if you ever watch this, thank you so much for being obedient and, and uh, wanting to do it on this particular day. But one of the worship songs she signed. I think it was Fly to Jesus by Chris Rice. Do you remember what it was? Was it Fly to Jesus? Um, and I mean, she comes out and does sign language. And, and the root cabs are looking down at me and Beth like, oh, thank you for telling them that we're coming. you know. And, and we're like, no, 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 we didn't say anything. And they're like, really? And Laura's up there doing her Fly to Jesus. I shouldn't try to sign on the stream. It's awful. But it, I bawled like a baby. And I just looked up and said, God, you are real. And you move. And they, they love, their kids love church, they loved church, and very soon after that, we moved out of that neighborhood and really didn't have any contact with them, and then ran into them many, many years later, and they came up to us very excited. They knew I'd become a pastor, and they told us that they were Jesus followers. They told us that they were going to a church, uh, obviously they were going to one um, that did, uh, had sign language, and, and we were just like, God knows so much more. And, joy, unspeakable joy these two people had. They just bubbled over with joy. And I just say that because I don't, I don't know why God does what he does or how he does the things that he does or what his decisions are along the way, but God's way is always better. I mean, when we think about the cross of Jesus Christ, when we think about the way that he works, that in the midst of where, you, where the disciples were hoping, everybody was hoping that a miracle would happen, that angels would come and they would take Jesus off the cross, he didn't. God didn't send angels. Jesus breathed his last, bled out on Mount Calvary and died. And they thought, there's no way. He's performed miracles. He's done signs over and over again. He's done these things. And no hope. All hope was lost. But God was always writing a bigger story of redemption. He's always writing a bigger and more momentous story of resurrection. And I think in this season where we have so many so many things that are happening in our world right now. People are in that place more than ever of being open, needing something, needing a breakthrough, being curious, understanding that there's a gap, that there's a hole, that there's something that's not satisfied by anything that this world has to offer. And as the church, we have this proclamation that's so simple but so powerful and true that Jesus saves and nothing else does. And we want to pray for power as a church. We want to get on our knees as a church. We want to pray for boldness like they did in the book of Acts. And if you're watching today and you don't, you don't know anything about religion or anything about Jesus or anything about church, I would just say there's a bunch of people on the stream with you that are watching that God has come through. Matt, who you saw, I'm telling you there was no way out for him. If he got into the details of his story, you would be blown away at how graceful and merciful God is, how amazing God is in his rescue, in his redemption, and in how he works and how he moves. Um, so sweet in the way that he moves. It is real. Jesus is 
the Savior, the one and only Savior. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for who you are, what you've done in our lives. We thank you that you are sovereign on high, even in the midst of a time when we, we, might, not, we might think, why, why, why aren't things changing right now? Why aren't things getting better? Where is God in these moments? I want, God, we know that you're working. We, we believe that you're working. We know that in our weakness, when things seem to be in, a, in strange places and down places, that you are made strong, that you, you come through, that on the dark canvas, that it offsets your glory and your, your brightness and your light. And God, we pray for that as a church. God, we pray for healing. We pray for healing in our country. We pray for our healthcare workers, that you do a miracle today and in the following days. God, I pray that every projection that's out there when it comes to what's happening is wrong. And that by the power of God, that people are standing in awe going, where did this thing go? And, and the only proclamation that will be, be made is that churches were praying. Churches were on their knees saying, this thing is going to disappear in an instant. And it's because God can do it. And that we would proclaim that it's only by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Only, only one person, only one way that salvation comes. Only one way that power comes. The only one that knows exactly what to do in every instance. And his name is Jesus. We love you. We want to glorify your name. And we pray for that. Amen. You guys have an amazing rest of your week. Dig into the resources in Acts chapter 4. We'll be back in Acts chapter 4. I'll be doing a little bit more in this same passage next week. Love you guys. Miss you guys. I'm looking forward to, to seeing you again and meeting together face to face.